session with Dr. Farid Polaku. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number, 310-441-0555. I wanted to announce the book of the week for this week. and It's actually the last uh, book of the week for this year, 2018. And because of that, I'll do a top 10 list of my favorite books that I read this year and I'll post that on social media and probably announce it um, after the new year but also always looking for book recommendations because I'll continue the books of the week in 2019 so always open to suggestions that listeners have for books for me to read and talk about on the air but let me announce this last book of the week and to be honest the title is very dark um, I was talking to my brother Powerhome about it's not exactly the most uplifting book uh, title and topic for the end of the year, but it's an important one. And I always try to cover topics like this and talk about this one in particular a lot because it's one we don't talk about enough. The title of the book is Suicidal, Why We Kill Ourselves by Jesse Baring. Suicidal, Why We Kill Ourselves by Jesse Baring. Um, and as I mentioned, suicide is a very real thing that we see in society and we try not to talk about or we often avoid, but I always want to make sure we talk about those taboo topics because when they stay taboo, they cause more hurt and we could actually do a lot of work to prevent or reduce a lot of suicides that we see. So looking forward to sharing that with you next week. Also, because next week is kind of like this past week, where Monday and Tuesday will be holidays. I won't be doing a Monday night show, so this will be on next Wednesday. But uh, the book of the week from this past week uh, that I'll talk about today is The Secret World of Sleep by Penelope A. Lewis. The Secret World of Sleep, The Surprising Science of the Mind at Rest. And uh, kind of interestingly, this past weekend, I was in Las Vegas with my family, so uh, I was kind of depriving myself of sleep a little bit. Sleep was a secret world for me because I wasn't getting enough of it. And uh, this book does talk about the consequences of not sleeping enough, so it was kind of ironic to be doing that while um, talking about this book today. Uh, But it is a very interesting book, The Secret World of Sleep, talking about the science and a lot of research on sleep, which are doing so much interesting work. But also throughout the book, you see that this title, The Secret World of Sleep, is very apt because... Although we know a lot about sleep, we still don't know so much. Even the function of sleep is not something that scientists agree on, which she says early on in the book. Why do we sleep? Because it's so puzzling that something that even as adults we spend about one-third of our time, one-third of every day about, and we really should be getting seven and a half, eight hours of sleep even as adults, that's something that new research is showing. People tend to think, well, you don't need that much sleep or five hours is enough. 
And yes, there are some variations in how much sleep people need. But the idea that as adults, you don't need seven or eight hours doesn't seem to be true. Most people, uh, even uh, adults, still need seven and a half to eight hours of sleep minimum. Uh, but the function of sleep is very surprising that we don't know why we do this. Is it to save energy, as some people would uh, propose? So let's just save some energy because there's not much we can do during those hours. Um, is there something, a kind of restoration that happens during that time that we're doing it? It's a little bit confusing because to sleep, oftentimes animals will risk a lot. Most animals have a predator that can eat them, kill them, and to sleep means they're letting themselves be vulnerable to that. Or even she mentions that giraffes take about 15 seconds to get back to their feet after lying down for a snooze, as she puts it, if they're sleeping. So that puts them in a lot of risk if a lion is nearby. It takes a full 15 seconds for them to get up, and this is why actually a lot of their time sleeping, they do it leaning against a tree. But it does seem that for at least some period of time every night, they need to be lying down completely. And so this is putting them at huge risk. And because of this risk, some animals have done other things. Maybe you've heard before that some dolphins, like the bottlenose dolphin, and uh, also many species of birds and ducks, they can do a split brain sleep, meaning that half of their brain is asleep while the other half is awake. Even one eye can stay open, making sure that they are safe, that there's no predators around but the other half sleeps. And then they switch hemispheres so the other side gets sleep while the, the, one, that was, uh, the, the one that was awake now sleeps and the other one gets awake. Uh, and then this also raises this question that she mentions, well, what is consciousness? Or would we say these dolphins, when they're half asleep, are awake or conscious? And it's not really clear what that is. So it's really fascinating to think that something so important like sleep, we don't really know exactly why the function is, but we see that all animals do it. So there has to be something, uh, or as some scientist puts it early in the book, it would be the biggest mistake in evolutionary history if just accidentally all animals slept in this way. So the function of sleep, we don't know exactly what, but we can see some of the things that sleep does, or also conversely what happens when we don't get enough sleep. And one thing you do see is when people don't get enough sleep, they are more moody. And you've probably experienced this. You're more irritable, even you're more emotional. I can actually share uh, something about that. I love listening to music, uh, and it's always fun to share songs with uh, close friends and people you care about. But I love to listen to music, and I remember one time I took a test in college. And before that test, as I often did, another bad way of using sleep was that I didn't sleep at all and I'd go take the test, which is actually a mistake because as I'll talk about, sleep can help you learn things or is very important when it comes to memory. But I remember not sleeping and then on the way home, listening to this song and I started to cry while I was listening to the song. It was a beautiful song and it is a nice song I still like. And then I got home and then I went to sleep and then the, the next day, I thought, oh, let me listen to that song, and I'm sure it'll make me cry again. And I played the song, and I still thought it was beautiful, but it didn't move me to tears as it had the day before. And so I realized, oh, that was probably the lack of sleep that was making me more emotional or emotionally expressive in that way and to feel things a little bit more deeply, and that's what was going on. The song itself was beautiful, but doesn't mean it moved me to tears the way it had when I was sleep-deprived. And this is something f important for us to keep in mind as we always want to look at our self-awareness and understand 
why we're feeling what we're feeling and not just what we're feeling, but even in this case of the story I shared, the intensity of the feeling that we might be feeling. Because you might be angry at someone and you think it's just because you're so angry at the action that they have done. But if you're not aware of what you're going through, your state of mind, for example, your lack of sleep, other things that are bothering you, you might not realize that the anger you're feeling or the intensity of the anger you're feeling might be related to some of those factors as well. So when we don't get enough sleep, we uh, can be more moody, more emotional. Some cognitive deficits we have, which we've all probably experienced in different ways. One of the things we do is we might drink coffee, as I did this morning. And what that does is it blocks adenosine, which is this neurotransmitter in the brain that signals that we're getting tired. So what it does is it basically goes into the spot in the brain cells in the synapses, it's the one that gets in there and blocks the adenosine from going in so that you don't feel as tired. So interestingly, by mimicking or fitting in that space, it blocks our brain from getting those neurotransmitters to reach uh, the synapses and you don't feel as tired. That's how that works. And she talks about the, the neurochemistry of the brain and how it relates to sleeping and also some of the functions of sleep. Again, we don't know why we sleep, but we do see some of the things that happen. And as I mentioned before, something I would do a lot is pull all-nighters where I literally wouldn't sleep before I would take a midterm or final exam in college. But we see that sleep is very important for learning and for memories. That if you study right before you sleep, you learn better. Or what they've done is they'll have people learn a new task, like for example, tapping their fingers at a certain in a certain way or certain pattern. And then they'll have them take the test in 12 hours to see how good they've gotten at it. And for some of them, those 12 hours will have included a night of sleep. For some people, they'll do it in the morning and then in the evening so they wouldn't have had a chance to sleep in between the the learning and the test. And what they find is that people who got sleep, they learn it better. So for certain tasks and certain types of learning, we see that sleep is very important in consolidating the memories and the learning and making it easier for us to then perform the task or to recall the information the next day. So sleep plays definitely an important role in memory and in learning, something that she talks about in the role of the hippocampus in that part of the brain um, that plays a part in that is also very important. But they're doing lots lots of research to see how they can use sleep or the ways that sleep can improve memory to help us even become better at learning and things like that. Another uh, thing she mentions in the book that I thought was interesting is sometimes we talk about night owls, and I consider myself a night owl. I like to be up later and usually might even start my days a little bit later. Um, But there is genetics that go into that. So sometimes they'll call people who are early risers larks, and they'll call uh, people who like to be up at night or later, they'll call them night owls or owls. And there's genetics that show that when you have uh, two alleles, so basically like most things that we have genes for, you get one from your mom, one from your dad. If you have two for being a lark or two for being an owl, you're more likely to be that way, either prefer the morning or prefer the evening. But most people will have one of each, and so they won't have so much of a preference. But there actually is a genetic explanation to show uh, why some people are that way. And it does seem that it's a genetic thing, not something you just learn, that some people are more likely to prefer early mornings and some people prefer the evenings and nights. She also talks about 
different ways to make your sleep a little bit better. Some of them are quite obvious, like light. We know that um, light affects our circadian rhythm or the way that our brain gets ready or processes the time of day that can affect either getting ready for sleep or having a hard time to sleep. And we have something that's close to a 24-hour circadian cycle or circadian clock. Uh, but we want to make sure that as we're getting close to sleep time, we don't expose ourselves to too much light, especially she talks about something called blue light, which comes off of, unfortunately, lots of things like smartphone screens and computer screens. And so she even mentions there's something you can add, which is like an orange filter, either through the software or over your screen, which would help uh, reduce the blue light that reaches you. So it might make it easier for you to get ready to sleep if you are looking at screens or looking um, watching television, let's say. But of course, the better thing to do is to avoid screens the few hours before sleep. We know that this has a big impact in preparing yourself to get to sleep. But unfortunately, most people, and I'm definitely guilty of this many nights, are looking at their phones before they go to sleep. And we know that this will make it a little bit harder for you to get to sleep or maybe will make your sleep less restorative or less restful. But also, related to light, it's important to make sure it's very dark when you are asleep, any light that comes in will affect the quality of your sleep. Another interesting thing was about temperature. And anyone who works here at the radio station knows that I tend to run warm. Even Amir here, who's in the studio right now, he told me today when he came in the studio, not only were his hands cold, his feet were cold because I'd made it a little bit chilly. Uh, but she says that as a rule of thumb, 16 to 19 degrees Celsius or 61 to 66 degrees Fahrenheit is an optimal room temperature for sleep, which I thought was really cold, 61 to 66, but that's what she mentions. The research is showing uh, because our body cools a little bit while we sleep, and if we do this, it in a way artificially triggers that we're getting ready for sleep. Now, I don't think most people are going to make their houses this cold when they go to bed, but it does tell us a little bit cooler is a little bit better. Um, but, but the book gets into a lot of research also about things like dreaming, which is something that we also, don't really know the function of what does it do? What is it? Um, is it really just some road to the unconscious, as Freud would say? Or is it our brains firing randomly with different things going at the same time? Uh, is it because some parts of the brain, that, like the cortex, the frontal cortex, which might be inhibiting us in some way, might be less active? So when you're in REM sleep and certain types of dreaming, the brain can kind of go a little bit more wild, uninhibited, so maybe it is going into the unconscious. But they're doing a lot of research to try to understand dreams, but it is always difficult because you can wake people up and ask them what they were dreaming about. But of course, this is not going to be the most reliable way to really know what was going on. And of course, people often forget their dreams and all sorts of things are going on. So dreams are difficult to study, but they're doing a lot of research to see what happens when we're dreaming, what parts of the brain are active, and also what it might be doing. What's maybe the function of dreams? Does it have some kind of function or is it just uh, we're replaying things that happen during our day, which we know happens, um, but what might be the function there, which is really interesting. So this was a great book looking at sleep and the research that they're doing, but also the research that needs to be done to help get a better understanding of this phenomenon and why we do sleep. Um, so that was The Secret World of Sleep by Penelope Lewis. And again, the book of the week for this week is Suicidal, Why We Kill Ourselves by Jesse Baring. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. 
back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thanks for calling. Oh, no problem. Um, excuse me, I'm calling uh, regarding um, the life change that has happened in my life. I mm-hmm. have recently moved to California, mm-hmm. and I've been here for almost seven months, and I've going through a transition that has been challenging for me. And my question is, uh, once I got to California, unfortunately, um, I started dating with someone, and my relationship lasted for about five months. And the person I've dated, um, he also was Iranian, and uh, what happened between our relationship um, was the fact that he and I were, we were so different, and he was mainly so much Iranianized, meaning that he always wanted me to um, act like an Iranian woman, and always, you know, we are brandy and stuff and always um, listen to him and he can, like, uh, dominate me and tell me what to do and everything else. He also um, met my family and I met his family and everything was been great. He told me that... He Wait, hold on. Per- I'm, yes. I'm confused. You, you said all these n- negative things. You said everything was going great. So I'm not sure I understand. No, no. The way he was talking, I felt that everything was okay between us like we were working things out even though we had all of those differences okay but do you, do you get what i'm saying you, you just said how he was dominating in ways that it seems like you didn't like but you're saying everything was going great that's already a problem yes i think that the okay. reason i was feeling that way maybe because i liked him and i was just right but we have to think the truth yes okay <laughs> so we have to maybe look, but it could have been something about even those things you thought you didn't like that attracted you which we, we'll have to look at. But also tell me, when you say you moved to California seven months ago, where were you before that? I was in mid, uh, Midwest. I, okay. li- I live in Missouri, and I was in a place where they were mainly Americanized. <laughs> yes, okay. So, How long were you I mean, there? Um, I was there for 16 years. 16, um, okay. Yeah, I'm 28 right now. So okay. I was there since the age of 13, yes. All right, and then how old is he? The guy you were dating. Um, the guy I was dating, he was a year younger than me, so okay. he was 27, yes. Okay. All right. So as much as you said he was um, dominating and he expected you to to be able to control you, it seems like, at some level, uh, you still thought things were going well. And this is also, I'll make a comment here about gender roles and the way people look at relationships. I overall think it's better to view each other as equals, men and women, but some might not. In some cultures, like in our Iranian culture, traditionally, the men is given more rights and more power and is considered in some ways even to be better than the woman and worth more than women, which is very unfortunate. And sometimes people can enter relationships where as long as they're on the same page about this, it can be okay. So as long as the man has the traditional value and the woman has the traditional value, it can work as far as there won't be conflict about this. But where we really see a problem is where you have, let's say, a traditional man who's with a non-traditional woman when it comes to gender roles, and because they have different expectations from themselves and their partner and what they want to see in the relationship, it can lead to huge problems. So it's something very important when you're dating in a heterosexual relationship looking towards marriage, that you make sure you're on the same page about gender roles, what's expected from a man, from a woman, in, in a marriage and in a relationship, from housework to work outside of the home, financially, all those things is very important, and especially if you're with a man as a woman who thinks of man as better than woman, and you don't want to see it that way at all because you probably see more of the truth, which that's not the case that men are worth more 
than women, you're going to have huge conflicts because it's always going to be there. But anyway, coming back to you and your situation, you said, although there was these things about him being dominating, being controlling, you felt things were going well. Uh, and then you said you guys met each other's families. Yes, we did. And then um, he was telling me how everything is going to work out. And he's planning a future with me in about a year or so. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was thinking he was serious. So obviously I talked with friends of mine that was mutual friends between me and him about our future and how I am deciding to plan stuff and everything. And then a friend of his told his parents about um, the stuff I have said to our mutual friend, which she was a girlfriend of his friend. And then he found out, and he decided, because of this fact, to break up with me. What did so, you say What did you say that he didn't like? Um, I was just talking about the future plans, and the thing I said was, um, if he and I do work out, uh, which I do feel we are working out, I would like to plan my wedding, and I have all of these designs and everything, and I feel like maybe I shouldn't have had said those things to her. But since I thought he was serious about me, I've done it. I don't know what happened really, like what went wrong, because he said, the only thing um, he said went wrong was that we were different. We didn't have the same style, mindset, and also the fact that I told his best friend's girlfriend about this whole situation and how we are planning the future. Well, okay. I mean, maybe telling his best friend's girlfriend about that might not have been the best idea, but it doesn't seem like something seems to be wrong other than that because if he was really serious the way you're saying he made you feel he was, then I don't know why that would scare him away unless you were telling your friend I want to get married with him next month where he was oh, saying... Oh, no, not no, next right. month. No, right. <laughs> and he was saying a year, but that, something about that is a little bit off. He might have been right, though, that you guys were different because of what you already have told me. I get that feeling. But uh, I'm a little bit confused as to why you being serious made him feel so not serious. And this is why I think it's so important for people to talk about what's going on in the relationship and what's going on what are you looking for? What are you looking for now? You know, someone might say at 27 or 28, they don't want to get married for several years. And someone else says, I want to get married fairly soon. And because of that, you might not want the same things. And it's better not to even start something when you want different things. But I'm not sure exactly what happened here. Um, and then he said to me, sorry to cut you off. No he also said that um, he was planning on breaking up with me two months before meeting my family. So that kind of makes me a bit sad, knowing that he had all of this stuff in his mind, and, and then he didn't do it, and he waited all to, you know, until he met my family, hmm. and then breaking out. So that kind of doesn't make sense to me. I'm very confused in that situation. Um, yeah, it's a little, it is a little confusing, and it makes me think of, of two things. You know, he could be telling you the truth, um, and he wanted to break up with you, and you waited, and this is why... I always tell people, you know, breaking up is very difficult. It's a hard thing to talk about. People avoid the guilt, so they don't want to talk about it because they know they'll feel guilty if they break up with someone. But we never uh, should stay with someone out of pity or avoiding that guilty feeling or feeling we're going to hurt them. It's far more hurtful to stay with someone that you don't want to be with or when you see the relationship is working out than to break up with them. Let them feel... Him. Yeah, I yeah. Him, let right? me just sorry. Let me finish just the other part of it too. But so let okay. the, you know, it's important to let the person know when what we're feeling is happening, even if it's hard to have those conversations. And on the other side, maybe it was something else, but he's telling you is about 
he knew from two months ago. It's not clear exactly with him. I don't get the feeling he was very uh, clear in his communication or very open. And that's a big issue to be in a relationship with someone who's not very open because it's hard to understand what he was really thinking or, or, or feeling and when he was thinking and feeling those things. But go ahead. Yeah, so I told him several times while we were in a relationship that I felt, uh, honestly, things not going well. Mm -hmm. So maybe he and I either just stay friends and, you know, just get to know each other more and then see where things goes or just break up. That was my whole idea when I was with him. I told him about it several times, and uh, he said, no, let's not break up. We're going to work it out. We're going to find a common ground. So when someone saying such a thing and then break up with me, it doesn't make sense to me. So why did you want to break up before, or why did you want to end it? I'm not sure if I understood that part. Um, the reason I wanted to end that, it was because he always wanted to control me, always telling me how to act, how to speak, who to speak to, who to be friends with, who not to be friends with. And I always felt that since I come from a very uh, different background from him and coming from a small estate and moving to a bigger estate, like, I don't know what I'm doing here or... I'm not familiar with bigger cities, and he has to teach me everything. Like, that's how he started acting with me. Right, so how did like, how did you feel about that? I felt very bad. I didn't like the controlling part. Right. To me, it's like two people when they're in relationships, they both have to communicate together. Mm -hmm. They both have to lead the relationship. It's not just one waiting. Yeah. Not one person just do that. But the way he was talking to me, I felt, I felt that he felt that he's out of control. And the relationship is being really controlled by me, and he doesn't feel that he's under control in the relationship. So I feel like that's something bothered him a lot. So those are that typical Iranian woman where I just said, "Okay, I'll do whatever you say." Right. So, so, so I'm telling him. Right. Yeah. So why did you want to be with him? Maybe because when I moved to California, I felt um, not having any friends, or I felt lonelier because yeah. I was new here, and I wanted. I like that he has so many friends. And uh, they had girlfriends, so I could make new friends and be with them and hang around and, you know, start finding me in the new space. So probably that's the reason I stayed okay. with him. So doesn't, I mean, now when you say that, do you think that's a reason to have been, is it, do you want to still be with him? The way you're describing it, it was just out of loneliness, not because you actually liked him and you weren't happy in the relationship and the way he was treating you. So maybe it's much better for you to have broken up. Yeah, I'm happy that we broke up okay. now that a month has passed. I just wanted to know, like, what was the main reason? Like, I just I, I just didn't like that how he was confused and he didn't know what he wanted. Like, one day he wanted something and then the other day he didn't want it, something else. So, I don't know. Yeah, well, for, you know, obviously I can't tell you what he was thinking uh, or feeling. It does seem like it was uh, unstable or unclear what he was thinking and feeling and maybe he would tell you one thing or say something else. It, it just seems like he... It's not at all the relationship that would be good for you, but to spend your time trying to figure him out, a little bit, of course, I know you're going to do that after a breakup, but to try to spend your time to figure him out, I don't think is going to be good for you. For me, it's more important for you to figure out why was I attracted to someone and staying with someone that was treating me this way and making sure you don't enter a relationship again with that kind of a person, because what he's thinking and feeling, I don't know. It does seem like you know, he wanted to control you and even like saying who you can be friends with and talk to. And this, that just sounds horrible, especially if you're saying you're not the kind of woman that wants that kind of relationship. Um, he didn't, doesn't at all seem like the right person for you. But for you, I think it's important to realize why was I attracted to him? Was it just the loneliness 
Or was there something else I did maybe like about this? Because sometimes logically we think something like, I, you know, I'm a feminist and I want to be in this kind of relationship, whether you're a man or a woman, you might think that way. But then we enter a relationship and we see we actually choose a partner and choose a relationship that doesn't reflect that because it's coming more from an emotional place. So I'm wondering with other people you've dated, have you found yourself in relationships with these kinds of men that are more controlling? Yes, I have a okay. lot. <laughs> okay. So that's why I want you to, to, to recognize that we don't want to get we don't need to get into his head so much because we can't. We need to make sure you get more into your own head as far as understanding you. Because it was interesting for me the way you started, you said I moved to California and unfortunately I started dating someone and he was this way and this way and this way and then kind of made it seem like it was so hard that he broke up with me or I don't know why, but I was trying to understand why were you with him? That's the better question you need to ask, not why he broke up with you, why you... Maybe the reason, yeah, maybe the reason I was with him, because he told me that he also was raised in America, and he was 10 years old when he got here, and then I thought maybe he understands the aspect of being Iranian-American, just like me. So, sure. And then after a while getting to know him, I could see that he's more Iranianized than Americanized. Yeah. He doesn't have the two cultures, so that kind of bothered me. And the way he was talking about his future and how, like, oh, if he has children, he's going to raise them as Iranianized, you know, always wear brandy stuff, always think about money and all that. It kind of bothered me because I don't like to raise children this way. I think children mm-hmm. have, have to have their own way of living. You cannot tell them what to do and how to wear clothes, you know. Of course. But still, again, I'm trying to understand what you, why you wanted this relationship. Um, I don't know. Sometimes he made me feel safe. Sometimes I wasn't feeling safe, so I don't know. Well, I mean, there was the loneliness, but then this idea of feeling safe, that's where we want to look at as much as you want to, you don't want to be controlled. Maybe there's a part of you that does want that, that's afraid of of being on your own. So what I want to do is we're at a commercial break. We're going to talk a bit more and get a little bit into your own past to try to understand, because you mentioned you have a pattern of being with men that were similar to him. What might be driving that? Okay, so just hold on line. We'll talk after the break. Thank you so much. Sure. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're with the caller before the break. Let's go back to her now. Radio Hamra, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. So as I mentioned before the break, you talked about dating this guy when you had first moved to California. Maybe it was out of loneliness and feeling like you wanted just to be with someone and he had a lot of friends. And so it gave you that feeling that you can be with someone and also make more friends. But you talked about how controlling he was, but also that you have a pattern of being with men that are controlling. So I think it's important for us always when we notice a pattern in the people we're attracted to, especially when there's something negative. So if you say, I like people who are smart or who are physically attractive, you don't have to necessarily try to understand why you're being attracted to those things. But before you continue, sure. um, there are two types of guys that I have in my life. Um, either they're controlling or either they just not sure what they want from life. So mm-hmm. they just play me around and they're not going to give me certain answers or they be, you know, they want to be at the with me and then also be with other women just because I have that traditional Iranian aspect, not sleeping before marriage. So. Uh, okay. Are, yeah. Okay, but well, and you're saying there's two types, but it seems like you're there. There's two things about the same men that you're attracted to, because it seems like he was that way too, a little bit uncertain of what he wanted, and also controlling, right? Yes. So right, so it's two things that you might be attracted to or tend to be dating is those kinds of things, and you can have that traditional 
idea of not having sex before marriage, you need someone who's going to respect that, even if they've had sex. Are you okay with them having had sex before you? Yeah, that's okay. fine. I don't mind. All right. <laughs> well, that, that's up to you to make that choice. Uh, but for someone to say, because you're not having sex with me, I have to still date other people to have sex with them. It, it doesn't seem like they're taking you seriously enough. True. So you have to recognize that if you want something, then you have to ask for it. And if you're not getting it, then you have to walk away. But it seems like you don't get what you want, but you stay in it. Yeah, that's my problem. I like to know how I can change that. Well, it's, you know, the changes has to just you asking for what you want, which is easier said than done, I understand. But many people enter or create relationships where there's something about it they don't like. And they say, I wish there was a way to do something different. But it's kind of like if you go to Starbucks and you order a drink you don't like and they keep making it for you, say, I wish there was something I could do. All you have to do is ask for something else. You have to ask for what you want and they'll give you what you want. Or they'll say, we don't have what you want and you have to go to another Starbucks. So you date someone and if they won't give you what you want, you have to go to someone else who will. You can't just say, well, they're not going to give it to me and I guess I like them. So I have to stay and not get what I want and be unhappy and just be that way. Now, I did want to talk a bit about your past. Do you notice any similarities between, let's say, your father and the type of men you're attracted to? Um, some of their qualities, yes, but my dad never was controlling, so I don't okay. think uh, that's something to do with him. Um, but um, I like men that are, um, I guess, so manly and um, people that just show their love with action. And mm -hmm. not just say words, but unfortunately, I don't know why um, those men do not come in my life. Instead, people come in my life that just want to play me and just say stuff and never do it. So, yeah, but, but again, you know, and I know how you're saying it is that these men come into my life. And it's not about blame that I'm going to say what I'm going to talk about now. But it's showing you you have more responsibility and even more power in your life. So to say it's just these men fall out of the sky and then now I have to be with them. That's not recognizing that you're choosing these men. In some way, you're being attracted to, you're attracting these kinds of men, and then you're staying with these kinds of men. So I want you to recognize that part, that if they're not giving you what you want, or if they're saying one thing and doing something else, then as soon as they, they start showing you that, you have to recognize it and walk away, but not say, I just unfortunately have this luck where these men come into my life. It, it's not that that's happening. It's more that you are choosing these kinds of men for some reason. And when you say you want a manly man who shows his love through actions, not words, what do you mean by that? For example, if someone tells me they love me and um, they want to like make, make a happier life for me, I don't like them to just say it. Of I like course. them to show it me. Yeah. Absolutely. The words mean almost nothing. I don't want to say nothing because there's a lot we get out of expressing our love through words. But if someone tells you, I love you, I feel this way about you, I feel this, I feel this, and their actions don't show that, then the words mean nothing. They almost are worse. You'd rather they didn't say it and just said actually what they really felt and were going to do. And that's why, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, I talked about, you know, we have this saying in English of it's the thought that counts. And I said, no, the thought doesn't mean anything really. It's about what you do. So the words and the thoughts don't mean much unless there's actions behind it. And of course, you should want that. So maybe what you have to also be aware of is that sometimes you're taking too much uh, weight from what they're saying. So because they say certain things, you believe it too strongly. So you have to 
give someone time to show you how they feel. Even with this guy, it seems like things moved pretty fast. If after a few months you guys already met each other's families and things, uh, it probably was moving too fast. And that's something you might have to be aware of is that why do I move so fast? And yes, if you let yourself just take someone's words and take that as meaning some kind of truth, you can find yourself in that situation. I'm going to give you everything. I love you so much. You're my this, you're my that, all these things. When it's too soon to feel those things, yes, it can feel good on some level, but it's not usually genuine. And that's why we end up getting hurt because it sounds really nice, but it isn't actually nice because it's not coming so from a genuine place. Is, uh, yeah, my question is when um, two people start dating, after how long is good for them to meet their family? I don't. I think you, you wait a while until you're very... It's, it, of course, cultures have different ways of handling this, but I think you wait a long time till you're very serious and sure about things because I think it usually complicates the situation more. So you want to so know. Yes. So if, it, if it's like for a year, let's say, I want to get to know someone for a year and then see if we are serious about each other or not and meet each other's family, is that a good thing or would you say... Well, yes and no, because I'm also concerned with the way you've been in relationships that you might date someone that won't be serious with you after a year, and that's way too long to not feel like you're serious with someone. So uh, it could be sooner, it could be several months, but there should be a very strong foundation. You feel very committed to each other. It doesn't mean you've necessarily decided to get married, but you feel very strong about the relationship you both... And for something for you, I think it's important to have these conversations about what do you want, what are you looking for? And yes, you have to be careful because you feel like people tell you one thing and do something else. So hear that, but also be patient to see they have to show you through their actions what they want and what they're looking for and how they're going to treat you. But you want to make sure you don't just find yourself with someone who says, okay, I'm going to date you know, three other girls, but I'm going to be with you and let's see where this goes. Because for me, at the beginning, dating multiple people is okay. But once you get to a few, several dates in, and once you really want to see how you are with someone, there has to be no one else. You can't be dating multiple people after four months if you're trying to be in a relationship. It just doesn't work. One, you don't really get to know each other. And two, what also happens is you start to use the other people as a way of cushioning yourself from the feelings you have with that one person. So let's say you're talking to someone, but you also have three other people. If that person does something you don't like, rather than dealing with the issue, dealing with your feelings, usually that people then go reach out to someone else and make them feel good. You know, they, that makes them feel good and then they move on. So you need to make sure whoever you're talking to, once you get into dating for a little bit, they're committing themselves to you 100%, that they aren't flirting or obviously dating any other women. That doesn't work. That's not a way to get to know someone. Oh, okay. I didn't know about the four-month thing. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, what's, what about the four months? Oh, you were mentioning that um, how a person is dating for mm -hmm. four months and then they should not be flirting with other uh, Well, I mean, what do you, do you feel like it's, you're okay with dating someone and maybe you're only dating them, but they're dating multiple people after months and months? Uh, I am not okay with that, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I know you're not okay with that, but the way you said it is almost as if, if the guy says that, you might accept it. Um, no, I didn't accept it, okay. actually. When they said that, I was like, no, that's a no-no to me. <laughs> Even Good. though I okay. know it feels lonely, but I, I'd rather be lonely than be with someone who's playing me. So. Yes, absolutely. And now, there's a difference between being alone and feeling lonely. And you've mentioned that a few times, that, that there is this loneliness that you have. And yeah. a, a big sign of mental health is actually not that we avoid relationships, but that actually we can feel okay being alone. 
that we don't always need someone and always need to be around someone to make us feel okay, that we actually feel good in our own company too. But the way you've talked about loneliness, I'm concerned that you don't have that feeling within yourself that you can feel okay by yourself. Yeah, that's something else too. So I wanted to know, like, what ways would you mention for someone to accept themselves and be okay if they don't get married or they never found someone? for the rest of their life and just be okay with themselves and just live happy well, within themselves. Well, it, it's interesting how you you presented that question because I definitely want you to feel okay with yourself and be okay by yourself, but we don't have to jump to the conclusion that you're not getting married. Now, I want you to feel okay with yourself so that if you didn't get married, you'd feel okay, but it almost seems like you're saying you're not going to get married because you're not okay or not okay with yourself. You know, so I want you to feel okay with yourself, but at 28, there's no reason for you to make this decision. I'm not going to get married. But yes, I want you to feel okay being alone. We should never enter a relationship out of this need that I can't be alone. I can't handle the loneliness. I just want to be with someone. And you mentioned in this dating situation, that's part of what might have driven you to him. And this is what happens. We tend to create bad relationships when it's becoming out of this need to avoid our loneliness or just to have someone. We'll just choose whoever comes along our way. And often, You'll pick someone who's controlling because they're going to be the one that's going to enter into your life and force their way in, and you'll just accept them. And that's kind of what you did. He maybe was being so controlling and so involved, he took up so much space in your life that you didn't feel alone at all. But you didn't realize that was happening in a bad way, that he was being intrusive. He was coming into your space too much, trying to take over your life. And something about that made you feel safe and protected, but it's more that it made you not feel alone rather than actually safe in a healthy way. So, yeah, true. <laughs> so the more you feel okay about you and being by yourself, the more you'll be okay, which is good, and you won't feel so lonely. But then, two, you're more likely to enter into a happy relationship, a healthy relationship, because you won't feel the need that I have to be with someone, so let's just take whatever I can get. And as far as how you can do that, you have to develop this relationship with yourself, but also figure out where this lack of love that you have for yourself or not enough love comes from. And always my best suggestion for that is to enter therapy, to get more self-awareness, to understand what's happened to me. Why do I feel this way? Uh, and even yourself to think about how did my parents not give me that feeling of being loved for being who I am? Because something seems to be missing there for you. Yes, I mean, as a childhood, um, I I'm, I called you before. I'm sure you know this or you forgot it. Uh, Maybe I, you'd have to remind me. I'm not sure which what we talked about. So um, in the past when I called you, I mentioned that as a child, um, I didn't have my dad all the time around me. Mm -hmm. So he had to work uh, 24-7, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was raised with my mom, and um, I would never see him or I, won't, I wouldn't remember him until I was 13 or 14 when oh. I started having, I started getting to see him. And he were able to work and also have his weekends off so he can be able to spend time with me. I think... I, to me, I feel like the lag comes from the childhood yeah. where I didn't have my dad as any other children. Well, to be and able to hang around of course, with him yeah. and make memories. So. I'm sure that had a big impact, and of course it's going to have an impact on your relationship with men. And, and that's why you can, at some level, tolerate or maybe even be attracted to a man who's not there for you, who doesn't give you what you want, because you are used to getting disappointed by the male figure. So them yeah, disappointing sure. feels familiar, feels comfortable to you 
And so you find yourself in these situations again and again. And so I might have mentioned it last time we talked too, but I would recommend going to therapy to try to uncover some of this and heal some of this past wounds so that you're not seeking out these types of unhealthy relationships or being attracted to men that are going to let you down. Because it seems like that's the pattern you feel and you almost feel like it has to be that way, that I keep being with men or men keep coming my way that are saying one thing but doing something else that are using me or not letting me uh, be their priority and that's very important because your father didn't make you feel like a priority as you could understand now it was because he was working but of course as a young girl it's hard not to internalize there's some reason my dad doesn't want to see me or if he loved me enough he would be with me or if I was good enough he would want to spend time with me it's hard for you not to make those conclusions as a young child and unfortunately we carry those conclusions with us going forward and you assume that these new men will think the same things about you or feel the same way about you when it doesn't have to be the case. You don't have to be with a man who's that way. And that could even be why a man who's so controlling and so involved with you, even though, as I mentioned, it's unhealthy, it can feel good to you initially because your father was so uninvolved. So it's like, this guy cares about everything I do. He cares about everything that's happening, even though it's unhealthy. But something about that feels attractive or feels good and safe to you because they're so involved but you're not realizing it's an unhealthy way of being involved with you yes that is so true (laughs) yeah so i really hope you'll you'll think about going into therapy to look at this because what happens is we use our responses and reactions to people who are attracted to to determine who to be with but because of our childhood relationships with our parents oftentimes our radars are off and so your radar is off and that you're going to be attracted to the wrong kinds of men, unfortunately. And so until you work on yourself, that radar won't be fixed and you'll find yourself more than likely finding these kinds of men. So, so my last question is, I'm yes. uh, sorry to take your time. No, my no, last not at question all. is, um, would you say dating is, is good at this moment for me or would you say I have to work on me before I start dating again? I'm, I kind of, I try not to make these things so black and white that because sometimes people can say, well, I got to work on myself and then date, which is good. But then sometimes they'll just keep working on themselves and they'll avoid the dating part. So because you're just getting out of this, I wouldn't rush back into anything, which could be your tendency to begin with. I would start therapy immediately as soon as you can and see how it's going and work with your therapist. And even going on dates and dating people might help you better understand yourself and actually you can bring that into your therapy as well. But I don't see it as so black and white that, okay, you have to go to therapy for two years and then you can start dating at two years because I think sometimes these things happen in parallel. So I'd say work on yourself. Give yourself a couple of months after this relationship is now ended to give yourself time to settle in. Uh, but the, And I wouldn't enter into a relationship now after getting out of this. Yeah, I'm not planning on it now. <laughs> yeah, good. And then, but start the therapy immediately. Make that the priority to get in there because it seems like you're someone who wants certain things, but you're not going to give yourself those things or give yourself those things in the right way until you work on those aspects. So I'd work on that and then you can start the dating in a few months or whenever you're feeling ready again and work with your therapist, go every week, really put in that time and then you can give yourself that right kind of relationship. Yes, I wanted to just date and get to know myself better. Because yes. the more you know people, the more you know yourself better with what kind of guys you're okay with and who you like to be mm-hmm. spending your rest of life with. But as a relationship, I wanted to give myself six months before okay. even think about a relationship or to a year. Because right now, I just feel like I like to date. I feel ready, though. I mean, um, I'm not like very thinking about him anymore. I don't talk to him anymore. I'm 
That, I'm just three that's South good. Yeah. And that's good. Um, and But you have to make sure you're ready in the sense that you're ready to, to pick the right kind of person, create the right kind of relationship, which doesn't just mean ready because you're not thinking about him. So that's why I want to make sure you do, do the work as far as therapy goes. But, you know, give yourself a little bit of time and don't pay attention to why you're doing what you're doing because we know the loneliness might be driving a lot of things even right now saying well i don't want to date seriously but i still want to make sure i date i'm not saying you can't do that but you're saying you don't want to have sexual relationships anyway so it just seems like at some level there's feeling the loneliness so just be aware of what's pushing that enter therapy as soon as you can because that's going to help you i think everyone should go anyway but i think that can be very helpful for you with what you're dealing with and see how that goes, okay? But thank you for calling again. No Maybe problem. call Thanks it a so bit. Much. Give me another update. See how you're doing, okay? All right, I'll do that. Thank <laughs> you right. so much. Bye. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right, another commercial. Rick Studio, number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Yes, hi. Thanks for calling. Thank you, Doctor, to answering my phone. My I have a question regarding my son. He's a very successful boy, and for his age, he graduated from university. He has a good job. And uh, last year, when he was at school, he met a girl. Can you hear me? So, yes, I can. Yes. Okay. And he met a girl, which uh, he they love each other, and they thought, you know, just as a boyfriend, girlfriend, and May, when he graduated, he uh, brought him uh, to our town and asked her, you know, they moved together, mm-hmm. which is big biggest step. Mm-hmm. So, how old is your son? 24. And how old is she? She's one year older. Okay. You, you then, said that, uh, <laughs> you don't seem to be happy about that, okay? I actually, as a matter of fact, I love her. I'm okay. very happy, but I don't want to, and my son doesn't. And this is what he was saying. I love that girl. She's a good girl. She makes my son very happy. But my son feels that he's very young to commitment, and she wanted the commitment, mm-hmm. which is too early. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a big step. Yeah. So she doesn't have no family. She lost her mom. Dad doesn't live with them. You're not trash, but she, I think she looked like, you know, the act they do. And what happened last month, my son told him, told her that, you know, you ask me to everything. Like, she cannot stay one place. She has to always get busy, busy, busy. I think she has ADHD, something like that. Maybe, so but it might be more coming from anxiety or some other feeling yeah. of wanting, you know, but, but anyway, yes, go ahead. Uh, yeah, she has so many problems, which is like every time she sits, she has to work with her hand, like game, yeah. every, everywhere they go, they have, you know, they cannot sit and talk. She bring a game, she bring like a, you know, do something. Anyway, I love this girl. She's pretty, she's nice, but last, uh, so she moved back to study for CPA, and uh, she was crying. My son was crying uh, that my son cannot commit to him for a you know long relationship. They want to be long relationship, not like uh, get her a ring and marry. So I watch it from uh, distance, mm-hmm. and I you know both of them they come to me and say everything. But 
When she moved to study for CPA, my son was living. She said he was crying, crying like crazy. But every weekend she come, when she left, he start crying. I said, why are you crying? I love her. I cannot live without her. And then for a while he was okay. I said, oh, I have fun with my friend. I go out. I, da, 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 da. When I'm with her, she take me, you know, everywhere. Like they, they want to please each other so much. So they are always like moving around. Mm-hmm. So when she's not around, she gets, take it easy, and I'm telling you, both of them are so massive. Sometimes I go there and clean their house, whatever. May, well, hold on, and hold on, hold on. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I would they let them like give it. them their space. <laughs> they, oh, wait, so so they don't like they don't ask you to do it, you go do it without them knowing? Yeah, because, because they have dog and they have mess, so I go, you That's know. okay. Anyway. But here's the, you know, it's a, kind of an interesting analogy of you cleaning up his mess or their mess and now even calling me trying to clean up their mess. And so that's why I wanted to, to catch you there. <laughs> I shouldn't. Yeah. Yes, because also... Oh, then, uh, when, uh, when she's not around and my son has uh, to live. So I understand. Anyway, but yeah, no, but hold on, hold on, hold on. Because also what we have to also be aware of is that you're worried that he is trying to please her and maybe doesn't want to be with her or doesn't want to be with her the way she wants to be with him or as committed as as she wants but we have to look at yes we have to look at how you might have a relationship with him that's also created this dynamic if you're too intrusive in his life he might feel like he has to do things to please you the first woman in his life other things happen, actually. Okay, all right. I I know, I'm sure there's other things but we'll we'll have to keep this part in mind too but yes, go ahead, okay. So whatever it is, no, I'm not in their life. They can go, you know, whatever. So recently, like last weekend, it was Christmas. The girl says, okay, we were in the, uh, let's come over. So my son, uh, like Friday, he went with the friends. And then Saturday, he went there. The grandma, the only person she had in her life, she, when my son went to their house and grandma in intensive care, so she was crying and yelling at my son, uh, you have to be with me, you are not here. And my son says, but I have my life. I came from work, I was tired, so I decided to come. You know, they, they live two hours away from the place that we are. So my son drove, drove there, they went to the hospital all day, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and they call, they text me, oh, she was crying, I said, please, you know, pray, whatever, whatever I could tell. Now, don't worry. If you need me, I can be with you. And she said, no, now that's okay. Thursday, yesterday morning, Christmas Day, she passed away. Mm-hmm. So she hold my son. My son told me last night, hold my, that old lady, told, hold my son's hand and kiss it and said, please, be aware my gra- my granddaughter and watch her and please don't let her alone. Mm-hmm. And my son was... Uh, you know, it was so emotional. Mm-hmm. I was not there. I was at home with the guests. And this and that. At night, he came home yelling and screaming in the car. Uh, I, I'm too young to be involved with this uh, mess. I saw the dead person I never seen. And he, when he got here, I feel, you know, he was with us on dinner. And he asked me to go outside. And he was crying mm-hmm. and hugging me and crying. I, I broke my heart. I think I'm too young to feel like uh, I can take care of someone, you know, responsibility. And I, I love her, but I don't want to wear the same thing that I told you. 
But this old woman hold my hand, kiss my hand, and she passed away. And mom, I don't know what to do. I sighed, I sighed. It broke my heart. Mm -hmm. So I said, this is another step in your life. You have to see your grandfather is old. Maybe one day you have to see him. So this is not that you're not kid anymore. You know, those advice that I heard from your father. Wait, what, 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 I I'm, thought it might be okay. Hold on. Wait, I'm, I'm just trying to understand. What do you mean about his grandfather? My father. No, I know, but why, why, what about his grandfather? I'm trying to understand what that had to do with this, this woman. That guy. grandma passed away. Yes. Her grandma. Right. But now, in my side of the family, my father is old. He's 87. You yes. know, we might expecting something. I said, don't worry, maybe something. Ha- I mean, I told him. Oh, he said, did, did he say he's worried about your father dying? Is that? No, 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 no. Okay. No, he didn't. He said, I didn't want to see the dead person. Yes. I didn't want to, you know what I mean. What I mean. So he was like, I think I don't know, doctor. I'm, I'm still trying to. I, I, I'm still missing the part where you brought up your grandfather, your father dying, maybe someday. But okay. Oh no, I, I told him this is the life. One day more, your yes, I understand. Yes, but I think you were missing his feeling. The reason why I stopped you is because this is what people we go to advice before we go to empathy, and I always say mm-hmm. show empathy first. Of Yes, of course. I mean, look at what he's telling you. Of course, it was an emotional seeing anyone yeah. die. It's going to be intense. So I would, but I would stay with his feeling first before giving him advice or yeah, saying, I "Well, pe- okay." I said, you know, at the end, I said, "This is natural life. You know, life people, you know, when they coming, that uh, childhood is gone. You have to face it. The reality. This is the way it is. You know, she was old. She was sick. It's okay." I said, "No, the way she told my hand and kissed mm-hmm. my hand." And, uh, That's why I'm saying I think you were going away from his feeling before he wanted you to. That's all I'm pointing out. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I did. Okay. Most people have a hard time tolerating, especially if it's their kid, <laughs> showing emotion. So they think we have to give them advice to make them stop feeling. That's why I'm trying to point out what I feel like yeah, you were doing. You're Iranian. Yes, know. I know. That's why I'm trying to point out because Iranians do it a lot, but almost everyone does. But we don't like the feelings, so we think I'm going to come up with a logical and rational argument for why they should stop feeling what they're feeling. And that's yeah. why I'm saying empathy first, empathy first. But okay. So, I mean, yes, your son went through something very emotional, uh, obviously, and it was just yesterday. So this is your aunt is on Christmas and someone passing away and someone saying, take care of my you know, granddaughter. And of course, uh, the mom is not in the picture too. So maybe even more of their grandma felt this responsibility that I'm dying. I need to make sure someone is taking care of my granddaughter. Uh, which is understandable what she was saying. But of course, um, God rest her soul, but we can't let her make the decision for your son's life um, yeah. because it was her, literally her dying wish, let's say. Still, that can't make the decision. But we understand for your son, this is going to have a huge impact. It's not going to be like, okay, who cares? Just move on. There's a lot he's dealing with. Uh, but we definitely, yeah. it's clear that he's saying, I don't want this, but I feel no. like I have to you do this. Yeah, he said, I don't want this, but I want to be a good person. Mm-hmm. I want to. I don't want to leave her alone because I don't want to. I don't want to leave her alone. I want to be a good person, which is what he said. Yes, and and, said, and this is why we have to be know, careful about you know. I mentioned actually just with the last caller in some way, but we never can stay with someone out of guilt. That's never the right reason to stay yeah. in a relationship, and it's even not being nice or being a good person to them. To stay with someone out of guilt because uh, maybe this girl will be very sad. I'm sure she will be. Both of them will be sad. But she deserves to be with someone who wants her 100% and who wants what she wants 
100%, not someone who doesn't want what she wants and out of pity might give it to them because that's not going to work for him or her in the long term. So I get it. Your son feels very stuck. And last, I don't know if it was last week, I had uh, this very nice young man, Parsa Pekar, on, on my show, and he talked about going to the jails and I went with him and visiting these inmates. But then also we talked about how we tend to put ourselves in a jail sometimes where we have the key, but we feel like we're stuck. And that's what, where your son is right now. He's in, he feels like he's stuck in a jail, but he has the key where the door is wide open and he can walk out, but he feels like he can't because he put himself in there. And the jail analogy kind of works because he's kind of punishing himself that if I walk out, I am a bad person, I am mean, I am not a good guy, all these kinds of things that are coming to him. And so he's feeling very stuck because his guilt is keeping him in a position where he feels stuck. And that is a problem. Now, we're coming to a commercial break, and I do want to talk to you a bit more about your son and, of course, how you can help him. But we do have to look at the bigger picture of most people feel guilty in these kinds of situations, but the amount of guilt he's feeling, we have to think about how is how is it that he's come to this place where he feels like he has to make other people happy. And this is where I do want you to think about your relationship with him or the way he was brought up and how that might contribute to this, okay? You know, I think, yeah. Okay. Yeah? Okay, let's talk after the break. Yeah. All right. Okay. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Deluk. We will be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to her now. Hello? Hello. Okay, hi. So we were talking about your son uh, and how the way you see things, he, he seems to feel very stuck in his relationship that he's 24, dating someone who's 25, and uh, now they're living together, and she wants them to be very serious, but he doesn't feel ready for that kind of commitment and feels he's too young. And you, as the mom, are having a hard time seeing him go through this and, I, I guess, want to know how to help him. But as I mentioned before the break, we have to look at why he might be the way he is in the sense that he feels responsible to make sure this person feels good, even if he means sacrificing himself to an extent. So I asked you before the break, and it seemed like you had some thoughts about it, about why he might be this way or what might be contributing to this. So what what did you think of or what, what what's on your mind about that? Because I thought if I tell him be a good person mm-hmm. always and think about others, because he used to be very selfish and think about himself, food only for him, you know, everything was for him because he was a first child. So I thought he was selfish. So I always trying to tell him, hey, think about others. You know, there is more people in here, there, you know, just as a mother. I don't know if I did good or not. I don't know. Hmm. I know I did mistake a lot, but... Well, that's, I mean, that's always going to be the case that there's mistakes. And when you say he was self... And how many kids uh, do you have? Who, how many siblings is he? I have two boys, two okay. young. Two, okay. Um, so you've said he was selfish. What would he do that would make you feel he was selfish? Pardon? I didn't get that. What, what would he do that made you feel he was selfish when he was younger? He was, you know, kids and first kid, like, uh, oh, my God, you know, me, 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 get me this, get me. He was, we spoil our kids a lot, like other people. Okay. We could, well, let's focus on you people right now. Let's talk about you. So <laughs> how do you feel like you spoiled him? Um, everything he asked, we got him. Everything, mm-hmm. like the first phone comes, that was his, the best. Everything he graduated, he had his own car. He had like a, 
Yeah, not best car. I mean, a used car. But, my, you know, my husband and me just focuses on our kids and trying to work for them. Either now he lives in one of the house that we have. We get the rent from him, but, you know, I mean, he lives in a, one of the house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, do you feel like in any way you've given him messages that he should live his life a certain way to make you happy? No, never. I no? want him to be happy his own right now. Okay. So you don't I think there is that pressure to make you guys happy? No, 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 no. I don't care. I want him to be happy. I swear. Okay. Even though he says, I love this girl, I said, that's you. You know what you want to do. If when he goes, even the girl leaves the town, he starts crying, oh, I love her, I cannot live without her. I'm the one call, you know, get called from him, oh, Mark, what can I do? And I hug him and I, oh, you know, whatever you think. She's but so, so he, far, you can. he says, because I miss her? Yeah. After not seeing her just very briefly. You know, like uh, when uh, last time they broke up because he finds something on his in her iPad. And, uh, what did he find? He, he found a relationship when they start dating each other. The girl had a relationship with one of the guys. And that timing, my, you know, which is they both talking to me about it recently. And my son told him... Well, hold on one second. I think you being kind of their... Relationship so counselor is may is not the best idea. Yes. So you know that that's that's what I meant about being too, the too involved Sorry. part too close. But okay, and again cleaning up their mess this time. Last time it was physical mess. Now it's an emotional mess. Now, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So he found that when they first started dating, she was dating someone else. But it was was it before? Was it he was he he was or she was. She was. She was. Now, and my son asked, was it before they talked about being exclusive or after that? Like, after they find each other that they like each other, and the girl started dating that guy too, you know, meanwhile with both of the guys. And my son figured it out recently, like months ago, uh, and told her why you did this, why you lied to me, because specific things he asked, did you meet this guy, did you have a relationship? And the girl says no. So he found it on the iPad, hey, you know, they talk about their sex. And after, like, they moved together, she was so committed to my son, nobody else. And my son says, I don't care. I asked you that time, and I don't trust you. Always I'm looking in my shoulder that you're with someone else. And the girl says, no, I never be with anybody. I commitment to you and did that, did that. And uh, when they had the argue, so... My son, I was not around, so whatever they both, they called me and asked me. The girl said, he pushing me away, what can I do? I said, I don't know between you two, what did you do? She said, oh, da, 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 da. I said, no, you have to go after your you know, career, fix it. And then you, and uh, my son says, long relationship for a while, because I see he's crying. So long relation, long uh, distance relationship for a while. Every weekend she com- she used to come. So she was crying after she left, but then a couple of days he was fine. And then another well, week. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not even sure if his crying because she leaves is just because he misses her. It does what seem. It? What's that? What? So you think he cries for what? It, well, it's a lot of things. I think it's also, I think he sees that this shouldn't work out. So when he's saying mm-hmm. bye to her 
for a week. He's also thinking of the buy forever, and he's also feeling this guilt. And he's so it's so complicated. So I, yes, it's of course you you should be with someone that you miss when you don't see them. But the way you're describing it, it seems like it's just not a it's not just about missing. Or even if it was, it would be too dependent of a relationship, which wouldn't be good anyway. But there's something about the way you're saying he gets so sad when she's going to be gone for a few days that I don't think it's just because they love each other so much and they miss each other so much. It's more complicated about either he knows he has to end this and that's hard when they say goodbye because he thinks about that forever goodbye and what he has to do or the guilt of all those things. Uh, And also because he doesn't feel good in this relationship if the trust has been broken the way you did now i'll make one comment about that this is another reason why i talk a lot about having uncomfortable conversations and one of the ones that people have in dating is to talk about uh if when they're exclusive or not and by exclusive exclusive that means not talking to not dating and of course not being physically involved with anyone else but each other and a lot of times people avoid this conversation because it's awkward or uncomfortable and they just try to assume that, okay, no, I can just tell by the way he or she is talking to me or how much we talk or how much time we spend that they're exclusive with me. But I always say don't make these assumptions because they can lead to a lot of problems and pain down the line. And I've seen it happen so many times, maybe similar to what's happening here, where one person assumes they're exclusive and the other one didn't. And then later on down the line, they find out that they were dating someone else earlier in the relationship and the person almost feels like they cheated on them. But of course, they didn't have the conversation about being exclusive. So it's very complicated and it could have huge impacts on the trust. So that's why I always say have those uncomfortable conversations because it's going to save you a lot of pain. And if someone can't handle that kind of conversation, it's not someone you want to date or be with anyway. Uh, But coming back to the case of your son and his girlfriend, it seems a little bit more complicated because he did ask her and she explicitly lied about at least this person. And that's another thing I always say is that even early in a relationship, you don't have to tell someone everything or you shouldn't be telling them everything, but don't lie. You can say, I don't want to say something or you yourself cannot say something earlier on, but don't lie because when those lies come to light, it's going to have huge impacts on the trust. And so we definitely shouldn't do that. So, you know, here he is saying, that's why I'm saying when he cries, when she leaves, I don't think it's just out of missing feelings because he also has issues of trust with her. He has lots of issues with her that aren't just about how much he loves her. And so that's really complicated. So when he cries because he misses her or when she, she leaves, I should say, you don't have to try to convince him of what I'm talking about. You can just talk to him and see how he's doing, but I think it's very important for him to recognize that he's not responsible to take care of her, make her happy just because that's what he's supposed to do. And I'm concerned about, I know you said he was selfish when he was younger, although again, that's maybe your guys's to blame that you were giving him everything, which was more about you than him. But then trying to convince him of how selfish he was, you might've given him this message that you have to be a good guy that only thinks about other people. And if you think about yourself, you're being mean. And again, in this case, even being with her when he doesn't want to be with her is not being nice or kind. It's not a good thing to do to someone. She doesn't even deserve that. Even if she'll be devastated initially, she doesn't deserve that. So your son is really in a kind of a personal hell and a personal jail, as I was mentioning before. So we have to recognize how difficult that is. But I still get the feeling from things you're saying and the way you're saying things that you are a little bit too involved or maybe not just a little bit too involved in his life. And because of that, that usually creates a dependency or a codependency that makes people feel responsible for other people's happiness and feelings. 
that's what I want you to recognize is that you might have instilled in him some of this feeling that you're supposed to take care of other people. You're supposed to sacrifice yourself to make someone else happy. And unfortunately, that's part of what's gotten him where he is right now and why he feels so stuck. I don't know. I never, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, Dr. Halakuri, it's a very bad situation. She's American. She's she's very away from our culture. My son is... Uh, I'm not worried about those parts. That's part I don't mind as much. That I mean, your, your son might be Americanized, or that that that's not the bigger issue. It's that he's saying he doesn't want this and he's staying in it, and he has trust issues with her. And again, I would yeah. not get you. You know, you have to not be their marriage counselor or their relationship counselor. That's not your exactly. space. And I know you want to help and you want to be involved, but again, that's what I mean. Yeah. That I'm not sure you're aware of how you might be too involved with his life in general. And this is what it creates. It creates this feeling in him that I'm supposed to make other people happy because what I do will make them happy or make them sad. And how could I be a bad guy and make them not happy and make them sad? So I have to do what they want. But that's not at all what a person is supposed to do. You first have to take care of yourself and make sure you're okay and making sure you're genuine. Because if you're not being genuine when you say you want to be with someone, that's actually much meaner than staying with someone to be quote unquote nice. Do you think a counselor might help? Absolutely, because he is, uh, you know, internally going through this turmoil and torture that he partially is putting himself through, uh, but he's definitely feeling very stuck. I think absolutely he does. I think he knows he's supposed to break up, but he just, it, the guilt is keeping him there. And, yeah. and that's very hard. And that's just really, he can't even really enjoy the relationship. That's why I say when she leaves and he cries, it's not purely out of just missing her. It's all of this inner turmoil kind of comes to the surface and even maybe feelings he's having while he's with her that he can't talk about or share or is afraid as soon as she's gone they come out you know so it's much more complicated than just a beautiful love that someone is missing when the person is not around which is good it seems like there's much more of a complicated emotional uh, situation here yeah so as far as you know your role as i mentioned you know i i think you have to be aware of how involved you get I would recommend him seeing someone and you can even tell him it's because sometimes I've been too involved in your relationship with her and I'm realizing that and I want to give you that space. And I think it's good for you to talk and it does seem like internally you're dealing with a lot of things and not in an intrusive way, but you can let him know about how it's very hard and where the situation you're at and you know, you care about this girl and you love her and that's all no, no, wonderful. No, no, no. Well, no, <laughs> no, no to what? I mean, I mean, I mean, I told him it's all up to him. Of course. No, I'm not saying tell him he needs to break up. But you can tell him that you have to just be aware of that being with someone out of guilt or because we don't want to hurt them, it's even more hurtful to them. That it's his decision to make. You're not saying he has to break up with her because of that, but for him to have that awareness. And it's tough. He's 24. He's young. This is probably his first real love. It's it's very blinding and it's hard to see uh you know the forest for the trees so to speak but he's having a hard time seeing the bigger picture and he feels responsible but i do want you to think about this issue of how you have partially instilled in him this feeling that you have to take care of other people other people's happiness depends on what you do so you have to sometimes completely sacrifice what you want to make someone else happy which is not at all how a relationship should be again to me she's going to be devastated but i don't think anyone deserves to be with someone who's being with them out of pity or out of avoiding guilt. 
Everyone deserves I better than that. Time might help. Don't you think that time might help? Time might help, but he might get more, you know, with time, he's also going to get more into this. It's possible he comes to some realization. I hope he would go to therapy. I think if he did, he would actually have a hard time in there, too, because he might not want to fully talk about everything. Because I think he already knows from what you're telling mm -hmm. me. But it's just yeah. too hard for him to take that action. And it's tough. We can't obviously force him or pressure him. You can just be there for him if he wants to talk. But again, be aware that you've probably been too involved already. So you might want to yeah. take a step back at some degree. <laughs> but sorry. no, well, you don't have to say sorry to me. You could say it to him uh, if you'd like. I think it might not be a bad idea. But that's where you could recommend him talking to someone because you see how much he's dealing with and the pressure and the stress and that it seems like he's trying to figure things out. And going to therapy can be a great space to do that. And you're not the person for him to do that with. You're there for him if he wants to talk, but to a degree. But therapy is something very different. And then, you know, you, you have him go through that process and see what he can do. But I get that it's hard for you as a mom to see him going through this. And you have very little control, as you should have very little control over what he does. And maybe that makes it hard too. Uh, but these things are complicated. And so he, you could be there to talk to him. But I hope you'll see someone... To, to talk it through and work things out a little bit more for himself. I will, uh, yeah, I, that's why I want to tell them both if they want to talk to, you know, the professional, sure. not me. Well, that, that's, yeah, they can go together too. That could work or, you know, he, but he can also go on his own. I think I, I, they can go together, but he might be afraid to share everything he's thinking about and feeling in there. Maybe he won't. He'll get open and say everything, but it seems like he's afraid to talk about what's on his mind. That's why I think... Yes, they can go to couples therapy, but I'd highly recommend he goes somewhere alone also where he can talk about his own feelings and what's going on in his head. Thank you very, very Thank much you. for your time. I, I appreciate it. My pleasure. You, nice doctor. talking. You have a great day. You too. I okay. appreciate it. Thank bye you. Bye-bye. All right. Going into our last commercial break, you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dawakwi. We'll be right back. Back, let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time hearing you. Hi, is it better? A little better, but if you could speak louder, that would be good. Uh, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm calling in regards to my two and a half year old son. Okay. He just yeah, he just started daycare about a month ago. Mm -hmm. um, it's a group daycare, and they have um, 24 kids uh, in the class with four teachers. Um, the students are between two and a half to five uh, five years, um, and it's his first time actually being out of home, like being separated from us. Mm -hmm. um, the first week was a gradual entry where he, he was just going for um, a couple of hours and we were waiting in the waiting area, so we were available in case they need us. Mm -hmm. um, during the first week, he just he got attached to his, one of the teachers. He was really like following her and um, he felt like he asked uh, for, for us, mostly for his dad because he's really attached to his dad. He asked for his dad a few times, but... Generally, he was happy, he played, and um, towards the end of the week, he actually had a full day without really asking for us, and we were still in there. But um, the week after, um, we just started the actual full day daycare, and uh, he's going um, currently four days a week. Um, 
And he started like realizing that he's gonna be alone in there, and he was asking for us more. And after a few days, he was really like crying. He was begging us not to take him. So we tried different techniques. We actually, uh, I didn't mention before actually taking him to daycare. We started uh, preparing him by showing him videos of happy kids in daycares, uh, walking past by daycares, just explaining to him that parents are not there, but kids are happy and. You're, you're bigger, so you can go to daycare. So we, we tried different things. Um, but uh, anyway, so he's, um, the, the, like he got, it got really worse and worse. Um, I tried to, during the time that he's there, so he, he usually cries at the beginning. When let me, him off. sorry, let me ask you a question. Do you have any other kids? We have a, a baby, eight months old. Yeah, I figured you had a baby because you said you're bigger. I, I figured you were saying comparing him to the baby, he's bigger. Okay. Because, yeah. you know, this is also, as you know, difficult for the child to go through and create can, can, and complicate things further. But go ahead. Yes. Um, so, um, so he started really like begging us not to take him there and um, when we were dropping him off we stayed a little bit and eventually the teachers would ask us to leave and they would like hold him and try to comfort him. He was crying only for a few minutes mm -hmm. um, and then after throughout the day he usually didn't cry. He was fine but he was not really um, communicating with kids much. Uh, he's generally, he, he's kind of like that. When you take him somewhere, he likes to observe mostly okay. comments. But he just walks around with something in his hand. Sometimes he plays, but he's actually mostly observing. He talks to the teachers, actually, kind of, sometimes, to the one that he's attached to. Mm -hmm. um, but um, at home, he always told us he's really sad, and he doesn't like to go back. Mm. And he was, like, thinking about us the whole time. He's, he's very good with with communication. So uh -huh. we talked about everything that he did. And um, the last day before the holidays, um, we were going to take him. His dad was getting ready, and he was going to take him to daycare. But he started, he came to me with a very sad face, and he, he was like, really he begged me to hold him and he said please i don't want to go to daycare um i don't like it please let me stay and i helped him i said yeah, it's not really bad it's, it's fine but um but, uh he actually uh, i noticed that he's actually shaking hmm. um and he was really like shaking and he, his face was kind of getting pale so I, right away, I said, don't worry, we're not going to take you today. We're going to spend the time together do something else. But I was really, I got really worried for the first time because he was shaking for a while. Like, he was really, like, shaking strong. So I'm not sure what to do about it. Uh, I wanted to know if you think, because many people say, okay, it's normal, kids cry, and they don't want to go, but eventually they get used to it. But I want to make sure he's not going to get... Uh, long term, um, yeah. it's not going to be a long term problem for him in the future. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, these are obviously there's no for me there's no black and white about this that he shouldn't go or he should go or he has to go every day. Do most okay. kids cry uh, at some point? Of course, they're going to cry. It doesn't mean we don't take them, you know, to go. But we want to be aware. We don't want to completely ignore his feelings. And I would always 
as I mentioned just with the previous caller, and it's something I always mention, is we want to show them empathy first. You know, even when he says, I'm sad, like, I, I don't want to go tomorrow, we say, I know, you can say, we miss you so much when you're there, uh, you know, it's difficult, but we love you so much, and we miss you, I know it's hard to say goodbye, but then, you know, you, we will see each other a little bit, and I know you have fun there, too. So you can say those parts, too, but make sure you show him you feel what he's feeling even you can feel what he's feeling you miss him too when he has to go and we know the kids are going to be uncomfortable with that separation that it's going to be hard for them but it doesn't mean they can't tolerate it or that it has to be bad for them now the way you're saying he was shaking i'm wondering has he ever cried like that before where you felt him shaking Never, okay, never. so I can see how that concerned you. Yeah, that concerned you. It, it still doesn't mean he he shouldn't go again after a holiday. It's tough, you know, for even it's as hard for people to even go back to work in general. But again, for kids, mm-hmm. when they're used to being with you five six days in a row, and then now they have to go back again to the old routine, it can be hard mm-hmm. for them. So we know that transition is hard. I wouldn't say this means he can't go back now tomorrow. I would talk to him about it, see how he's feeling, and he's probably going to say no. And even sometimes when kids come and tell us how sad they are, because this is a very common report that parents will say, I said bye to my kid. They cried a little bit, but then I, you know, got reports from the teachers or sometimes they have cameras and you could look in and he was smiling or she was having so much fun and having a great time. But then when I picked them up, they told me, mommy, I was sad the whole time. I was crying the whole time. And it's not that they're trying to lie to us, but it's also because they want us to think, you know, don't think I'm so comfortable about being away from you. Don't think I really like being away from you because they're still scared of that. And, of course, when they see you again, sometimes when they don't see you, they don't think about you as much. They remember that they weren't with you and they don't want you to leave them, right? If they tell you, oh, my God, I had so much fun, you can leave me there, you know, in their mind. It's like you're saying you can leave me there forever. And they're scared of that. So sometimes I'll I'll hear this a lot where they'll say, I don't get it because they're having so much fun. Even in the camera, I see them having so much fun, so happy playing with the kids. But then they tell me they were so sad. So that's sometimes their way of making sure, okay, I want to make sure you stay close. So don't think I want to be without you or I don't want to be away from you. And plus, again, when they see you again, they remember missing you even more. So just remember that, too, that if he tells you how unhappy it is, we don't ignore it. Of course not. But we want to be aware of it could also be his way of saying, I don't want you to leave me or I don't like saying bye to you. So you can say, I know it's so hard to not see each other. I miss you, too. I love you so much. Um, You know, I hope you have fun. And then you could ask him. If he had fun, and he might still say no because he still wants to emphasize his point of don't try to make it seem like I like being there. I don't want to say bye to you. But we know that part of it could be more coming from that place and actually he's miserable when he's there because it seems like he's he enjoys himself there. And you're saying he doesn't play with the other kids that much, but maybe that's more how he is. He might be more introverted in the way that he interacts. We keep an eye on that. If he only talks to the teachers and never talks to the kids, that could be some other issue. But for now, I wouldn't jump to that conclusion yet. He might still not be comfortable yet there. Now, we also have to be aware as parents, as much as we talk about how hard it is for kids to go to daycare or preschool, it can be hard for the parents to miss their kids too. So maybe you're having a hard time saying bye to him also, and he's going to feel that. So we have to always check in with our own feelings of how am I dealing with this separation? How am I dealing with him being sad? Can I tolerate that he's a little bit down? Even, of course, I know you're not going to like it, but can you tolerate that he's a little bit down and it's going to be okay? So we have to look at those things as well. Mm-hmm. That's good. 
Actually, I tried to uh, just sneak in and check him during the time that he was at the daycare. Mm -hmm. He was mostly actually kind of sitting sadly. Okay. I, I, I arrived a little bit earlier and tried to make sure he's not watching me, so he didn't actually see me. But he was just sitting and he was like sad. And then he saw me, he had a huge smile and mm. he said, Mommy, and you know. So um, he's like. He's mostly, I think, is not super happy. He's still okay. like not used to it. I don't know. Maybe it's gonna change. Maybe again. How long has it been? He's been going. Uh, he he was sick a little bit in between, so less than a month. I okay. All together, maybe fifteen days. Okay, so it's still very new. I, I would still give it some time. Again, we see how he's doing. If he's so overwhelmed, we don't have to force him to go. This is where. There's so many things about parenting that's difficult. This is another one of those balancing acts that's hard. We don't want to push him in a way that makes him so sad and make him feel like we don't care at all about how he's feeling. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we also can't say because he doesn't like it, we're never going to take him again. Because, you know, we always have to deal with things in life we don't like. And so it's finding that balance of not pushing them too much where we're really hurting them and making them feel that we're insensitive to their feelings or that when they really need us, we abandon them. But at the same time, we can't give them the feeling that, well, if you don't like something, just say you don't like it and I'll say you don't have to do it, you know, because yeah. there's going to be a hundred days in school where he's going to not want to go and you have to sometimes just say, well, we still have to go to school and we're going to go. So you have to find that balance and make sure you're okay with, okay, he's going to be a little bit down. Let's give him a chance to get used to it there. And, and he probably will. Most kids, almost all kids don't like going away from their parents saying bye to them. So let's give it a chance. And your son seems like he's more on the anxious side, the way you're saying even in general with kids, he, you know, is more quiet or he's to himself. So that means it's going to be a little bit harder for him too. So we want to give him more love and support, but it doesn't mean he can't handle it just because he's having a hard time. So I, I wouldn't avoid it completely and just, you know, talk to him about going again tomorrow. And he's going to say no. He's not going to say, yes, I can't wait. But we want to just be there with him, give him comfort, give him strength, give him that feeling I'm here. Again, because you have the new baby, that also has likely affected the way he feels he has you. He doesn't feel like he has you the way he did before. Mm -hmm. So, of course, he's going to feel more of that abandonment or more of that risk of losing you. He already felt like he lost you eight months ago. So we have to be aware of all these things are going into what he's dealing with. We're going to be very sensitive to him, show him love, but we still want to encourage him to go to daycare because it seems like that might might be what's good for him right now to slowly get comfortable with that. And I wouldn't be so concerned that it's going to have huge long-term consequences. I would be more aware of how much quality time and sensitivity you show to him in general with the time you have with him. Because we can still, I talked about it last week, but there's research showing that kids going to daycare don't necessarily have to have a bad attachment to their parents, even if it starts very early. But it's important how the parents are being sensitive to the child when they do have time with them. Does the child feel that? And if they do, they can still internalize and create that secure attachment bond, which is really what we want. So I do have to wrap up the show, but, you know, this is tough. It's not easy to deal with these things. It's not easy on him, of course, but you can be there and support him through that process, and it seems like you're doing okay. Uh, just a very quick question. Yes. two and a half year old not too young for this. I don't think it, you know, it's to me, it doesn't, it's not definitely too young. A couple hours is okay. It's not, doesn't have to be, but there isn't to me a black and white that he's too young. He shouldn't be there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank All right. So much. Nice talking to you. Take care. Thank you. The same. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you to all the callers and the listeners and to Amir, who's here in the studio. And the next time I'll be with you, it'll be 
2019. So I hope you have a great time celebrating the new year and looking forward to being with you then. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. Have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.